and thanks for listening to the Northern Logger podcast. So this month, we spoke with a family that is probably familiar to anyone who knows logging and lumber in the central Adirondacks of New York, where the Northern Logger offices are also located. And that's the Levy family. So Levy Lumber Company has existed in Inlet, New York since the 1950s and currently is both a lumberyard operation and a logging operation run by a family that has made a name for having a great reputation in logging in the area. But we talked to Dan Levy, one of the sons of the family, about how they got started and how the family started with a sawmill and now has a full-service logging operation and lumberyard. But before we talk to Dan, I just want to remind everybody that our Loggers Expo this year is going to be held in Essex Junction, Vermont, May 6th through 7th. So the Loggers Expo, for those who don't know, usually attracts between 5,000 and 7,000 business-minded attendees and has 200 to 250 exhibiting companies who will be offering lots of things that you might want to see if you're in the industry. So we hope that you'll join us there. And if you want to learn more about that expo, you can visit our website, www.northernlogger.com. All right, now to Dan. I guess my first question is just how did y'all get started? I started here as a kid, like 10, 12 years old. By the time we were 12, we probably were helping out the service shop and we had an old sawmill. All of us boys started out there very young. Tail and saw and put lumber away. That's how we got started. And then by the time you were 14, you had your working papers. That was your true summer job. That's just what you did. There was so much going on. Where was the sawmill? It was right at our, you know where our home base is? Uh, no, I don't. On 92 Limekiln Lake Road is where the okay. the sawmill was. And then we through the course of the years, then we downsized it and run on a yard, some of the problem, and trying to staff, so we just went to it, just turned into just a retail yard, put up another building. What and kind of sawmill was it? It was a circle saw with, mm-hmm. a, with a live carriage, I mean, planers. It was almost all softwood, though. Okay. Yeah. Did a lot of rough cut. Back then, everybody built out of rough cut. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just common. Two and by four was a full two inch by four inch. Right. Or even a little more. <laughs> Did your dad start it? Yeah, yeah. 61 is when I think he went, went in business. Okay. And how did he end up in this area? His parents had a camp, a hunting camp, on Six Lake Bay or Six Lake or something. And he'd come up, you know, summers and falls. And then he worked for Sid a few times and got to know the pains then because he's actually from Herkimer. Oh, okay. You know, and then uh, and then after working a few summers with him, you know, when he got out of got out of high school, took his back pack basket and clothes and moved up here. So this is what he wanted to do. So Wow. I think he rented over Jim Payne's Marina for a while. I can't oh, remember wow. right. That's where you gotta start. How many siblings do you have? Personally do I have or my family in front of me. Yeah, your family that went into the business. There's four of us. My parents had four of us. There's John, who was in the loader, mm-hmm. and then Julie, who is not in the business anymore. 
and then there's me and Jerry, who is the youngest, who is in the other in one of the other trucks. Okay. And so, did everybody, did you and your brothers all get into it at 14? Everybody started at a very young age. Yeah, it, even maybe even younger. Yeah, because then by the time, God, the next person was. 15, 16, 17, they moved on to something else, and mm -hmm. then you took over their roles in the sawmill. I might have worked in the sawmill a little bit with Jerry, and I might have worked in the sawmill a little bit with John, but typically by then, they were, th were three years apart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the time I'm 14, he's, you know, I mean, 17, mm -hmm. and doing something else, you know what I mean? Or he was delivering lumber because he could drive. Mm -hmm. So then that person was driving and delivering lumber, and then you were tailing the saw and feeding the planer. The lumber away. How so? The order is John, you, Jerry. Or? Yes, yes, okay. for the boys. Yep. Okay. Um, and so, uh, how how did the logging operation fit in? Um, they always had the stuff. You know, I mean, the, the the logging stuff. As long as I can remember, my dad said they got into it. They started as a sawmill, but he said when the sawmill season shut down and you couldn't saw in the winter. You'd starve wait in the spring. Mm -hmm. He said, "We actually, believe it or not, used to beaver trap for money." You, to, <laughs> I said, like, "He's like that was the income." Yeah, I, it's hard to fathom such a thing from my perspective. Right. He said, "You know, then we had an old dozer and we're going to skid out some logs. That's kind of how we got started." He said, "I needed income for the winter." Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's how we got into the logging part because there weren't these other sources of income. There wasn't all this caretaking. Right. This was a totally different area. Totally. You know, there was no such thing. So we needed work, he said, and that's that's what we did. So we started. Then we got a little single axle. It was incredible. They had some really, really neat old pictures that when our shop burned, oh, we wow. lost because they were... Oh, no. I don't, you could have seen the old, old sawmill and the old... They, is, just the next step up from Sky Pilot. I'm telling you, it just—it was just <laughs> like that was their that was their truck. You know, that yeah. just—he said back then that was like a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, he had some really neat stories, and you saw that doors on an old mill building here fell in. You know, just <laughs> right. that's just how everybody did it. Right, totally. That's how it evolved, and the yard was even a mud hole. It was just a, a mess. It's nothing like today. It just—even as a kid, we'd ride up there in Dad's truck, standing on the seat because there was no seat belt laws or child restraints. Right, he literally totally. stood on a regular cab pickup, four or five of us, and pile out, get back in the truck, because it was so mighty, mighty, you want all the mud and stuff, you know, and we'd climb up the sawdust bar where the sawmill was and fill all your pockets with sawdust, <laughs> and the parents would get so mad at that. Just, oh. Yeah, it was totally changed from what it is now. Um, so what kind of equipment were, were you all working with back then? Uh, the, in the sawmill, it was, a, it was a head saw, circle saw with a Frick carriage, I mean, a Frick live carriage. Uh, uh, then they got to a, was it a Mela live deck, because way back, it wasn't a live deck. You had to roll them on with a PV. Mm -hmm. They had a Petty Bone Super 10 or Super 7 was a forklift way back then. Back then, they had just cable skitters. They had lots of Timberjack and then evolved to John Deere. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then by the 70s, they started to advance a little more, and then they got into some of the first Han harvesters and that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was interesting, you know, really big in mechanization back then ahead of everybody, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Uh, back then there was more markets, you know, DeFerriot was going strong. What is that? Uh, DeFerriot was champion international in, in just outside of Watertown, you know, okay. in DeFerriot. That was a really good market, I was told, you know. And then when I started logging full-time, when I got out of trade school, went to trade school, got out of that, and then 
they bought me a cable skater back then, it was a chainsaw cable skater. I cut a lot of wood for a Deferi. What year was that? I graduated high school in 86 by 87-ish. I don't remember how long trade school was, but it was about when I come back from that and started working. I actually went to be a mechanic and then, you know, Dad said, well, I could put you in the garage, but I couldn't pay you. So I was like, well, that, that ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, you know, then they said, well, you, I could put you back in a sawmill for a while. So I did that. And when they closed the sawmill down, usually around December-ish, it was usually a little extra equipment kicking around. They'd start another little job. So mm -hmm. I started on an old 540B in Big Moose, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ahead of the Sawyer. The Sawyer was my Uncle John, JT, John Townsend. You know, and he was... It takes That's about funny. two weeks to shut the sawmill down, you know, maybe winterize it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I went over there and put up with a loan for a while till he came. Then we did that job. <clears throat> when that ended, we went to Sabatis with the other software job and they merged them, you know. Mm -hmm. And of course, there was others, little little jobs. There was a chip job somewhere else, another. There was more smaller jobs back then. Not like today, we just have just one logging job. Right. Used to be a lot more diversity. Right. Than today. Well, so since you came on in the mid-80s, can you just give an overview of how the company has changed? And when, uh -huh. when did your dad retire? Dad still really isn't retired. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's not. He's, you know, still... You know, you're apt to see him today. He's, he drives one of our trucks, so he's still driving truck. Oh, wow. And what's his name? John. Okay. John Sr. He took a load yesterday. He'll come in today. You know, I'm assuming he'll draw the rest of the spruce out. Usually, we put him in the in the tandem. We have three tractors and lots of trailers, and the other tandem we have him draw the spruce and the veneer out to Kevin's got like a concentration yard. Okay. And then anything overrun, they might draw a little wood back to the shop for pulp for spring or firewood or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something that he can do with the tandem this close and and aid and assist the job. You know, overrun. Yeah. I do got a couple other sub haulers that are coming actually he sent me a text i didn't text him back we got some of those mat logs over there in the corner for yeah. those timber mats right They're, they want to come tomorrow and get them and we're trying to keep the landing cleaned up because we know winter's coming to an end here it changes so right. fast yeah when that sun gets high two days in the road is just oh my oh totally it's unpredictable so, yeah so we're well, like i say we're we're slowing things down and the and the wood is close we save to the end so right we don't need three skitters today they'll just bury john Right. So I tell them to try to do some other duties and then fill in when they have to, you know. Right. Earlier in the winter, when we way over there, a mile and a half away, I needed all three. Right. Yeah, so it's that part's a very hard balancing act for right. sure. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, how it's changed since you got into the woods and started logging. And then I want to hear about, you know, what where y'all are at right now. It was pretty, pretty, I'm going to say non-mechanized when I started. They were mechanized and they kind of got out of that mm -hmm. when it was dead and said because they were in business together for quite a few years. Right. You know, they were frustrated with price of equipment, breakdowns, longevity, that stuff. You know, they kind of got away from fellow bunchers. You know, they had lots of them, but it, um, they had grapples, got away from them again, went back to cables, you know. And then we come along, it was all manual again, chainsaws and cable skitters. Mm -hmm. Then we got back into slashers a little bit, <coughs> got a slasher or two. Then, you know, we, we talked him into trying another grapple. It must have been 90, 91. Mm -hmm. Got back into another grapple. Uh, they had, in the early 80s, mid 80s, they had a, they bought one of them Blondins. You know, they, 
for some reason the job couldn't make it work that was a frustration part dad said they spent all this money it was parked out back their shop you know what i mean mm -hmm. whether they couldn't find the right jobs or the wood or the operator there was lots of dynamics involved as you can imagine right personalities people's right ability to make something work you know right uh and, and that's kind of what got them away from them color watchers again and that stuff totally so then we, we come along and ask them about trying to grapple and why and um, got back into chippers again only because the market was there and and sometimes markets change what way you go right even help sometimes changes which you know, some of our help live down that way they'd rather truck wood that way than right. the tie yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe you change your whole operation you tailored it to this right but it did well it's hard to find people it is it's very hard to find people you know and then it gets to a point where like well if that's mathematically not coming out we have to shift back the other way mm -hmm. so that's how that come to be right in terms of the markets you said there used to be chipping markets and that's not really so much anymore no there used to be lots more roundwood markets and lots more chip markets now you, you don't have that you basically got a chip market a drum yeah there is a Skyler market mm -hmm. but I haven't had the luxury to do too much there you know right um, I did start bringing a little bit of wood to it's a little spot market at Griffiths base you know what I mean mm -hmm. so we brought a few chips there but that's not a, a year-round market by any means yeah um, for that um, so so now uh, can you talk to me about uh, your equipment lineup that you have now we have on this job we have the three grapple skidders and three operators um, one feller buncher which is just which is what I run which is down the road here I can show you that after okay. if you want to see it you yeah know, definitely just, um, the feller buncher we have a, a slasher you know and loader barco there we have two other loaders but they're not slashers and they're on trucks. Mm. We have three tractors and I don't know how many trailers. I mean for tractor trailers. Mm -hmm. If you count these, I don't know how many dump trucks we have. We must have, we have three of these black F550s. We got an F800. We have a Western Star 4900 dump truck, two Mack tandems, three excavators, two John Deere's and a Kubota, a kid steer, two bandit brush chippers for like mm. residential tree work in a bucket truck we do a lot of that now more so than we used to um, started out just a little sideline and it's kind of grown and become a little more economically viable mm -hmm. you know um, people call you so you have a better chance of getting the job when in the logging people don't you almost have to pursue them you know what I mean right 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 that doesn't make that too good in and you stand a chance of setting the price, not the mill setting the price. Right. So that's a definite plus. Yeah. So, I mean, y'all are a big operation for this area. I, I guess. I, I consider us a little tiny mom and pop shop. But I <laughs> yeah. Don't, I, you know, I don't know any different, you know? Right, right, right. Well, I mean, compared to, I meet a lot of, like, one guy in a skidder. Right. And a chainsaw, you know? Right, so, yeah. Do you all mostly do private sales or bids or? A little of both. Bids are getting to be slowly out of reach mm -hmm. at, at least for us you know what we've noticed in the last bunch of bid sales is some of the big lumber companies pay more for it standing than I get for it delivered to the mill right yeah so you say wait a minute if I did the whole job for free I'd still be 30,000 short of right. what you paid for it standing yeah 
how and then I I can't get an answer. Yeah. You know, it's mind-boggling to see that kind of money on the table in our perspective. Right. I I don't know how they figure they're going to get people to continue. I can't imagine a kid getting out of college with a degree in forestry and business because you'd need both and then trying to figure this out on paper yeah. and say, wait a minute, all my investment, I'm not getting anything. Right. How are you doing this? Who's lying to me? Uh, so I... Yeah. It'll be interesting how this next 10 years shakes out because I kind of question it myself. Yeah, I know. It's it's very difficult. So on this on this job, what are you cutting mostly and how large is this? Okay, I'll show you the map. We did a, almost what you call an, an OSR, right. an overstory removal. Right. Finished it to all the boundaries. And then it, when that finished, he usually leaves a little wood to finish out the winter. Now, he did these couple of patch cuts. And I mm -hmm. will walk down where the cutter is. You can take a few pictures and okay. what we did there. And it's kind of a... Sometimes he'll paint it. Sometimes it's a description cut. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He'll he'll be a, a general. Tops is what he's looking for. Maybe you're trying to leave 40 square basil an acre and trying to remove all the beaches necessary. This is almost all hardwood stand for winter. We probably did a little bit of spruce this winter. Maybe 70,000 feet of spruce mm -hmm. this winter. Maybe a little bit. You know, not a lot, but. There was a little spruce mixed in from pockets we tried to get all weekend. Okay. And the rest is mostly hardwood pulp chips and uh, saw logs. Mm -hmm. And we did do dab a little bit in pallet logs and those mat logs. And do you work on the league club often? I probably, yeah, I, I'm going to say I've been here 10 or 12 years. Mm -hmm. Steady every winter and then they have do with some summer and fall work. The generation below you. Do you have uh, kids that are in it? Yeah, I have three kids. One has already been to high school, been to college, graduated, and now works here full-time. Adam, you know, he drives truck at current, where he is a, a, a really good mechanic, but typically he is construction with my dad in the summer. You know what I mean? Okay, Does yeah. dirt work, typically. But he gets stuck in the shop quite a bit, and then in the winter we have him drive truck or work in the shop or... Yeah. You can run skitter, any of that stuff. It's just, in the winter, we try to keep everybody going. You know, we, we talked about even using our shop a little more, our repair shop in the winter. Mm -hmm. Two guys there and start doing that that stuff, outhouse, you know what I mean? Right. Out-of-house stuff. Right. So we, we've talked to that as well. So whatever it takes to, to make it come out. Oh, your other kids? Or is yeah, Adam the only one that's in it? Adam is the only one that's in it now. Now you got Laura is my daughter, but she's in medical school, so she right. takes a job in May in Albany. She has been here, but she's, she'll fill in at the office a day or two, but not. Yeah, right. I used to bring her to work with me a lot of times. She had a lot of fun, for sure. And then my youngest, who I just gave a ride to school, Thomas just turned 16. Mm -hmm. he, he does. He works there all summer, every summer. Lumber yard and dirt work, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, like I say, if you see our lumber yard, it's it gets pretty busy in the summer, you know. Right. You know, he, he can run forklift, put lumber away, that stuff. This year he'll be able to deliver lumber because he's got his license now, you know. Right. That would be nice that he can drive. Yeah. Uh, helps these guys with excavation work and dirt work in the summer, whether it's running a roller, tamping a road, raking it, putting a pipe in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Installing, you know, PVC pipe, maybe you're putting some kind of a sewer drain in or something, you know what I mean? Right. He can do that stuff. Uh, yeah. He's not a bad mechanic either for a young kid. He can get by, grind knives. When you have a chipper, we have a knife grinder in our shop. It's mm -hmm. always a chore for someone 
to sharpen the knife. Right, just, totally. And rebabbit him. It's just a never-ending battle. He does that, but I do. I, I told him though, I, I still going to make him go to college, mm -hmm. get a degree. Just I got him. I, I don't want him just coming. Right. I, I know it's not always economically the smartest thing, but I. I feel I owe it to him. Yeah. Go. I told him it's a two-year minimum, otherwise four years, and you can't come to work here. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I tell my kids. That's just. And it's got to be a degree, and you got to have grades. So, totally. Or you don't. So, sure that's so good he's, for him. Yeah, so he's got to decide. He's done a lot of this. He's helped out a lot in a pinch, probably. Started at a, a really young age. He communicates well and is a really, really fast learner. Okay. In, incredibly fast at, at this kind of stuff. It's, right. With markets now at your lumber yard, what does that business look like? Summer, it's, it's great. It, you know, it, winter slows down. You know, it's... It's a builder's market, basically, what, what, whatever right. the builders need supplies, you know. And where there's lots of competition, too, from the outside to bring stuff in. Right. So, because like I'll show you the lumber yard and shop. It's kind of the, I call it the nucleus of our business, is, is where we evolved from, you know. Our shop burned, and we would have never built a shop like that if it hadn't burned. Mm -hmm. It's just, we didn't want to do that one. It, that was a, some family dynamics involved in that, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. It's just such a massive investment. It takes from the rest of your right. operations, and it's not always a, a revenue source. Right. It's almost an expense. Right. <laughs> it is. You say, geez, I'm building this big repair shop. I don't make money repairing equipment. Right. Not, you know, unless <laughs> I'm going to open up a service shop. Yeah. It, but, you know, some of that, we I gave in to dad and mom. They were still here, and, you know, they wanted when it was, it was their turn, I, I thought. You know, right. they bought a lot of stuff that we wanted. Yeah. Now, I guess I will try that. You want to try one of them. It's pretty risky investments, you know. Mm -hmm. So when they wanted that, you know, I think my dad's always wanted that. He's definitely the, the core of the place. He's, I, I said, well, I'll back him, you know. Hey, thanks for listening to the Northern Logger podcast. And we hope that you will tune in next month for our podcast then. And also join us in Essex Junction, Vermont, May 6th through 7th for the Northeastern Loggers Association annual Heavy Equipment Expo. See you there.